Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 8. The Amateur Fireman Part 3. Shall we go home? said Phyllis. You can. I'm going to fish, said Peter briefly. I thought we came up here to talk about Perks's birthday, said Phyllis. Perks's birthday'll keep. So they got down on the towing path again and Peter fished. He did not catch anything. It was almost quite dark. The girls were getting tired and, as Bobby said, it was past bedtime when suddenly Phyllis cried. What's that? And she pointed to the canal boat. Smoke was coming from the chimney of the cabin, had indeed been curling into the soft evening air all the time, but now other wreaths of smoke were rising, and these were from the cabin door. It's on fire, that's all, said Peter calmly. Serve him right. Oh, how can you? cried Phyllis. Think of the poor dear dog. The baby, screamed Bobby. In an instant, all three made for the barge. Her mooring ropes were slack, and the little breeze, hardly strong enough to be felt, had yet been strong enough to drift her stern against the bank. Bobby was first, then came Peter, and it was Peter who slipped and fell. He went into the canal up to his neck, and his feet could not feel the bottom, but his arm was on the edge of the barge. Phyllis caught at his hair. It hurt, but it helped him to get out. Next minute, he had leaped onto the barge, Phyllis following. Not you, he shouted to Bobby. Me, because I'm wet. He caught up with Bobby at the cabin door and flung her aside very roughly indeed, if they had been playing, such roughness would have made Bobby weep with tears of rage and pain. Now, though he flung her onto the edge of the hold so that her knee and her elbow were grazed and bruised, she only cried, No, not you, me, and struggled up again, but not quickly enough. Peter had already gone down two of the cabin steps into the cloud of thick smoke. He stopped, remembered all he had ever heard of fires, pulled his soaked handkerchief out of his breast pocket, and tied it over his mouth. As he pulled it out, he said, it's all right, hardly any fire at all. And this, though he thought it was a lie, was rather good of Peter. It was meant to keep Bobby from rushing after him into danger. Of course it didn't. The cabin glowed red. A paraffin lamp was burning calmly in an orange mist. Hi, said Peter, lifting the handkerchief from his mouth for a moment. Hi, baby. Where are you? He choked. Oh, let me go, cried Bobby close behind him. Peter pushed her back more roughly than before and went on. Now what would have happened if the baby hadn't cried, I don't know. Small and soft and warm and alive, picked it up and backed out, nearly tumbling over Bobby, who was close behind. A dog snapped at his leg, tried to bark, choked. I've got the kid, said Peter, tearing off the handkerchief and staggering onto the deck. Bobby caught at the place where the bark came from, and her hands met on the fat back of a smooth-haired dog. It turned and fastened its teeth on her hand, but very gently, as much as to say, I'm bound to bark and bite if strangers come into my master's cabin, but I know you mean well, so I won't really bite. Bobby dropped the dog. All right, old man, good dog, said she. Here, give me the baby, Peter. You're so wet you'll give it cold. Peter was only too glad to hand over the strange little bundle that squirmed and whimpered in his arms. Now, said Bobby quickly, you run straight to the Rosen Crown and tell them. Phil and I will stay here with the precious. Hush, then, a dear, a duck, a darling. Go now, Peter, run. I can't run in these things, said Peter firmly. They're as heavy as lead. I'll walk. Then I'll run, said Bobby, 
Get on the bank, Phil, and I'll hand you the deer. The baby was carefully handed. Phyllis sat down on the bank and tried to hush the baby. Peter wrung the water from his sleeves and knickerbocker legs as well as he could, and it was Bobby who ran like the wind across the bridge and up the long, white, quiet twilight road towards the Rosen Crown. There is a nice old-fashioned room at the Rosen Crown where bargees and their wives sit of an evening drinking their supper beer and toasting their supper cheese at a glowing basketful of coals that sticks out into the room under a great hooded chimney and is warmer and prettier and more comforting than any other fireplace I ever saw. There was a pleasant party of barge people around the fire. You might not have thought it pleasant, but they did. For they were all friends or acquaintances, and they liked the same sort of things, and talked the same sort of talk. This is the real secret of pleasant society. The bargee Bill, whom the children had found so disagreeable, was considered excellent company by his mates. He was telling a tale of his own wrongs. Always a thrilling subject. It was his barge he was speaking about. And he sent down word, paint her inside hat, not naming no color, you see. So I gets a lot of green paint, and I paints her stern to stem, and I tell her she looked A1. Then he comes along and he says, what's your painter all one color for, he says. And I says, says I, cause I thought she'd look first rate, says I, and I think so still. And he says, do ya? Then you can just pay for the bloomin' paint yourself, says he. And I had to, too. A murmur of sympathy ran around the room. Breaking noisily in on it came Bobby. She burst open the swing door, crying breathlessly, Bill, I want Bill the bargeman. There was a stupefied silence. Pots of beer were held in midair, paralyzed on their way to thirsty mouths. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more waiting for us all at the end of the road.